now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. Today, meet Robert G. Allen. Who's Robert G. Allen? Well, he's the OG of creating wealth in your own backyard. He's authored many, many books, including Nothing Down, Multiple Streams of Income, Instant Millionaire, and Creating Wealth. You're going to love hearing Robert G. Allen's version of Enlightened Wealth. And that's really the fundamental secret of most, most people who become wealthy. Robert G. Allen with his secret to becoming wealthy and a whole lot more. I want to start off with a little dramatic reading of a poem about real estate. Would you indulge me for just a moment if I did that? <clears throat> I need to get into character. I need uh, a little bit of coffee to help lubricate the instrument. Hold on. <clears throat> That's better. All right, here we go. Now, again, this is a dramatic reading. Some are going to say, Chris, it's over the top. Others are going to say, why aren't you on Broadway? Here we go. Oh, let me tell you a tale, my friend, about real estate, a treasure to send. Invested in properties oh so wise, a pathway to wealth that truly flies. In lands afar or close of home, real estate has a power to roam. Buy a plot, build a house so grand, and watch your wealth grow. Oh, isn't it grand? Renters will come with cash in hand, paying you monthly. Oh, such a grand plan. Income flows like a flowing stream. Building your fortune, it's not just a dream. The market may shift, but don't you fret. For real estate's value is surely to reset. With patience and knowledge, you'll find the key to unlock the door to your prosperity. To seize the opportunity, don't delay. Invest in real estate, come what may. With bricks and mortar, you'll pave your way to the future of wealth. Let's start today. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? If I had a million dollars I know what you're thinking. I've heard it before. Chris, do not quit your day job. I'm excited about today's guest. If you can't tell, one of the things that Robert G. Allen is famous for having said was don't buy real estate. Excuse me. <laughs> no, it's not what he said. He said, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. I have a passion for music. You know that. I work music into this show like, well, like frosting on a cake, if you will. I think there needs to be a balance, and maybe we could agree. Could you agree with me on this, that you need... At least, I would suggest the proper ratio of cake to frosting is one-third of the cake size should be frosting. Not a thin little wisp of a layer. It needs to be a third. If the cake is you know, so thick, a third of that thickness needs to be the frosting. 
And that's how I envision this show. The music, it's got to be good music. And it's got to be, it's going to be a goodly portion of the program. A third, maybe, if you will, because I love music. And so do you. In fact, I'd love to invite you, if you're in the Homer, Alaska area, picnic in the park. It's Friday, tomorrow, June 16th, at the WKFL Park from noon to 3 o'clock on Pioneer Avenue in downtown Homer, Alaska. We got free hot dogs, free burgers, drinks, and live bluegrass music featuring a local bluegrass legend, highly strung. Katie and her performers are fantastic. And then all the way from Utah, the Get Arounders are going to be playing as well. So come on and join the Story Real Estate team for fun, food, and great music, 12 to 3 o'clock at WKFL Park in Homer, Alaska. Our very own Anna Reed with a story team is going to be performing our national anthem. We had a sales meeting yesterday in preparation for this big event on Friday. Anna blew us away with the anthem. She is such a tremendous singer. Come out 12 to 3 o'clock. Uh, stay for lunch. Stay for the whole event. It's up to you. 12 to 3 o'clock. WKFL Park Picnic in the Park. Brought to you by Story Real Estate. I woke up at 11.52 last night, been asleep for a couple of hours, probably two and a half hours, and it felt like I'd slept all night. You ever have those nights where you wake up just prior to midnight or some other ungodly time and go, ah, oh, it must be, must be time to get up, right? And of course, the daylight peeking its way through the curtains here in our 24-hour sun land didn't help anything. So I got up at 11.52, I was making my way out toward the coffee pot. Happened to notice the clock on the walls at 11.52. I was like, are you kidding me? This is in insane. Well, I went to the library, and I just thumbed through a selection of books that were sitting next to my chair. And the one that I decided to invest in at midnight was Real Estate 101 by Gary Eldred. Yes, I really do live, breathe, and think about real estate a lot. And I'm calling this The Grateful Eight. Entrepreneurial Tips from Gary Eldred. This is from his book, Real Estate 101. And it's eight ways to essentially improve your entrepreneurial skills in life. Because, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, you're a born entrepreneur or, you know, it's not for you, whatever. I think it's a skill that can be honed. I agree with Gary Eldred. It's not something that you just have to be born into or unto. You can develop an entrepreneurial mindset. You can develop an entrepreneurial skill set that you can employ with real estate. You can employ it with your investment scheme in business and anything, anything you wish to take an entrepreneurial lead with, these grateful eight, I'm calling them, these are tips from Gary Eldred, will help you. So the first tip from Gary Eldred is to elevate your attitude. Why not? I mean, why would you not want to elevate your attitude? So he quoted in the book, Zig Ziglar, another hero of mine, who said, your altitude is determined by your attitude, not your aptitude. In other words, you can alter everything from the perspective of a good attitude. So why not elevate your own attitude? Develop a good attitude, a positive attitude. Develop an attitude of can do, will do, and then you must do, and you'll follow through. 
Second thing he said for an entrepreneurial tip is program your positive self-talk. I love that he put it that way. He didn't just leave it with program your self-talk. He said program your positive self-talk. That's on purpose. That's not an accident. What he's saying is as long as you're going to be talking to yourself, you might as well make it positive. Third, dig your well before you're thirsty. Dig your well before you're thirsty. And I'd like to interpolate that relative to an entrepreneurial tip such that invest in the reading, invest in the thinking. What are you listening to? You're listening to the show, The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got because you're interested in mindset, positive mindset, the positive mindset, the wealth mindset, the healthy mindset, and a positive outlook on life. So dig your well before you're thirsty. Have this knowledge. I'd equate it towards getting a pre-qualification. In other words, know what your credit score is before you decide to make the offer. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Have the source before you need it, before you run out of something else. Fourth Grateful Eight tip is curtail your destructive spending and borrowing. Now, we, we hear all the time about OPM, other people's money. I'm a fan of leverage. In fact, the formula, the Backyard Millionaire formula is leverage multiplied times effort equals reward. So I'm a huge fan of leverage, good debt. What he's talking about here is curtail your destructive spending, which just means wasteful spending. No, I'm not talking about a latte. I'm talking about, he's talking about, and, and I agree and concur with, talking about spending that doesn't serve you, that you know is just, well, I wasted that money. I'm not talking about the, the frivolities of daily life. I'm talking about other things. And you know, you search your heart of hearts, you know what that is for you. Every, it's different for everybody. And then the borrowing relative to credit card or revolving debt, personal debt like that is what he means by curtailing it because it can be destructive towards your overall ever getting ahead and having ability to save. Remember, the other tenet of the Backyard Millionaire formula is you cannot save your way to a fortune. However, you can invest your way to wealth if you can learn to save. So you've got to be able to curtail the destructive spending and borrowing that's not allowing you to get ahead and save up. In the book, The Backyard Millionaire, the main character saves up 10 grand. And in, it might as well have been a million because for him to have done that prior to doing so was impossible in his mind. He never thought he'd have that kind of money, ever. And he worked at the same job. He just changed his mindset in the story and suddenly everything changed. The fifth Grateful Eight tip towards entrepreneurial mindset is to plan your time and shape your life. It's not to say that you don't ever have downtime. I'm not a big fan of the hustle. People, like when I just launched my new book and people said, "Where?" You know, several people have said to me, like, Mike, do you have a clone? When do you sleep? And it's, it's not that I don't take downtime. I highly love my downtime. My downtime might look different than yours. Mine in, involves fishing with my dad and my uncle, my brother and my cousin. It, it involves reading every single day in my library. It involves writing. To me, downtime is writing. So I'm not a big, huge fan of the hustle, hustle, grind, grind, 24-7, 365. I sleep in my office. That's not what I'm meaning when I say plan your time and shape your life. But it's plan for when you're going to have downtime and what it's going to look like for you. And then sixth, honor your appointments and promises and agreements. This is all part of the Grateful Eight towards becoming an entrepreneur. Honor your appointments, promises, and agreements. Seven, learn continuously, improve upon yourself continuously, lifelong learning. And finally, eight, make great decisions. Having made a decision, 
you're partway there. That's really important is to make decisions. I would even cut that down to make decisions. So much is lost by fear. Way more, a fear of a decision or a wrong decision is probably lost more fortunes and more wealth and more money and time and peace of mind than the bad decision or the wrong decision. If you follow all these other guidelines and then make great decisions, you can't help but become a grateful entrepreneur with success. That's from Gary Eldred, and I agree with him 110%. I'm Chris Story. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. When we return, meet Robert G. Allen. We'll be right back. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story, along with Mr. David Webb, engineering the broadcast. Lewis Glickman said, the best investment on earth is earth. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, real estate cannot be lost or stolen, nor can it be carried away. Purchased with common sense, paid for in full, and managed with reasonable skill and care, it is about the best and safest investment in the world. I'm so, just so pleased and proud to have made the acquaintance of Robert G. Allen a few years ago. And super grateful that he accepted my invitation once again to come here to these microphones. It was a real pleasure to sit down with this legend of creating wealth. Here's my recent conversation with a personal hero of mine, Robert G. Allen. is usually multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reaching out to people who are entrepreneurial minded. Um, employee minded people usually don't like to take those kinds of risks. If you're teaching people about how to buy four homes, I think that's just fabulous because it, it, it's amazing that people haven't awoken to that principle. Like they'll buy one house, they'll save up and you know get the credit right and borrow money from their parents or whatever to get into that first home and then the home increases in value, usually sometimes doubles the value while they're living in it. And they, and they don't wake up to the fact that if they had two of those or three or four, that really they, that would take them to financial freedom. And so in my book, Creating Wealth, I, I say the plan is buy two homes per year for 10 years, and that will set you up for life. You have streams of income. Eventually those homes will be paid off. Just imagine, you know, 10 years from now, and you have... 20 houses that are that are you know getting close to paid off say 20 years from now they're all paid off got 20 houses uh times say 2,000 a month which would be minimum really 2,000 a month from each of those homes uh we're talking you know 40,000 a month you know so that, that's serious money it is. so most people they just don't they don't expand beyond their normal narrow mindset. And usually when people get to the end of their life and they retire, if they've stayed in that same home, the home is paid off and that's probably the biggest asset they've got in their life. Well, it'd just be nice if there was 10 of them or 20 of them instead of just one, you know? So entrepreneurs, you know, that's maybe one in seven of all the people you ever see about one in seven is on, is an, is a, an actual, Entrepreneur, they got a business, they're, they're molesting something, or an investor, they're full-time, you know, being their own boss. That's about one in seven people you see. Six and seven are employee-minded, therefore they work for somebody else, they want to make small, slow money, 
and they retire in 40 years and then they don't have anything, you know. And yet they could have been millionaires, really, if they'd just taken a little bit of money every day, every month, put 30 bucks away, 50 bucks, 100 bucks away, put it into an S&P 500 index fund uh, or, or uh, EFT and, and just forget it. 100 bucks a month uh, over your lifetime will make you a, a millionaire. It might make you a multimillionaire on $100 a month. It's crazy. It's just amazing. And anyone can do that because everyone in, the, in, in our country, every single person is a lifetime millionaire. A million dollars goes through your fingers in a lifetime. You're in, you know, $25,000 a year uh, for 40 years. That's a million bucks. So the problem is most people will spend it all and, and they'll go into debt, frankly, and they won't have anything left over and they, they retire and there's nothing but Social Security. And that's just not smart. Whereas entrepreneurs, these are the one in seven, they, they want to make big, fast money. So they'll buy, they'll buy things like real estate. They'll start a business. They'll have a side hustle. Um, they, they are in the process of making faster, bigger money than ordinary employees are. So you and me, we're trying to tell every one of our audiences, I'm trying to say buy two houses a year for 10 years, not 20 houses. You're telling them to buy four houses a year for four houses total. And, and if you could just teach 2,000 people how to do that, those 2,000 people would end up having a much better life than than they normally would. So congratulations, Chris, for doing what you do. Well, thank you. That means, and, and I have to thank you because you're not just Robert G. Allen. You're the OG of what we're talking about. In fact, 20 years ago, I found your book, Creating Wealth, followed your advice, and my wife and I started buying two homes a year. And then we started converting that into selling and transferring into commercial and multifamily, and it's worked out yeah, incredibly yeah. well. But that was 20 years ago, Robert. Can people still do it today? The answer is yes, because there are people who have ordinary problems that find themselves under circumstances where they need to sell and they become highly motivated. So when the market is hot, you know, a lot of these people who have divorces and challenges, health, death, sickness, inheritance, all the reasons why people need to sell real estate. Obviously, if they if they have a if they, they're behind in their payments, you know, you know, when a market is soft and slow, then usually they end up losing their property. And then people who are investors like ourselves, we can buy those properties. But the market is fast, hot, uh, which you know, COVID kind of created that because there was so much demand with all this extra money floating around. So that money's dried up now, and the interest rates have gone up. And therefore, market's softening, slowing. It's still pretty hot in most parts of the country. But th as the market slows, and as we have head into the quote-unquote this recession, if, if it ever happens, um, then there's just going to be more opportunity because these ordinary problems happen to millions of people every single day. Death, sickness, divorce, um, transfer. Um, there's, there's, you know, 20, 20, 30 reasons why people need to sell. And the problem with real estate, it's not like the stock market. If I want to sell my stock today, the money will be in my bank account this afternoon. But if I want to sell my real estate today, I have to figure out how to sell it. I got to either put a sign on it myself as a for sale by owner, or I got to go find a realtor. And that takes time to find a realtor. And then they've got to put it on the multiple listing service and, 
Sometimes it sells quickly, you know. Sometimes it sells in a week or two or three. Sometimes it sells uh, a month or two or three. Sometimes it's six months, a year, you know, depending upon where it's located and what its price is. So because real estate is illiquid, that's its greatest benefit and its worst nightmare because it because it's illiquid. That's the greatest thing for us as investors and the worst thing if you're trying to sell. You want liquidity. You want to get your money fast and you want to get the full price. If I'm going to sell my stock today, I will pay I can sell it for exactly today what anyone in the world would buy it for. I will sell it at retail today, my stock. But when it comes to real real estate, I can't sell it at retail. Usually there's some negotiation that happens. Um, sometimes if the market's really hot, yes, people will actually bid the price up above retail. But generally speaking, you know, you put it on the price at retail, you're going to sell it at retail or a little bit less. And and then because it's illiquid, you know, you're you're stuck until until you and then then it's going to take a month for the person to get a qualify for a loan. And what if they can't qualify? And then they give it back to you, and you got another month before you can sell it again. And see, it's illiquid. So during that illiquid period is when we as investors are looking for highly motivated sellers, and they're not they're not all highly motivated. You know, when you go to the multiple listing service. Say, say Anchorage, Alaska. Let's just pick that for for example. Let's say there are 5,000 properties available for sale today on the market, current at retail price. I'm, I don't know if there's 5,000. It could be 50,000. It could be 3,000. I don't know. But let's just pick 5,000 as an example. That means if there's 5,000 properties available for sale, only maybe maybe 95% of them are retail. They want their full price. They they want to wait. They want to wait it out. You know, they're willing to wait the illiquid time. But there's 5% of them that are desperate to sell right now. They want it desperately. And that's who we look for. And we look for those people for, for a lot of reasons. A lot of people think, well, I don't want to deal with people's desperation. I don't want to take advantage of people. Well, if that stopping you, then start looking right now for that 5%. Because when you find them and talk to them, you'll find out that, that you are an answer to their prayer. Mm-hmm. It's not just the opposite, or you think you're taking advantage of them and that God will be unhappy with you because you beat them down in their price. They are, they are begging for a solution. And a lot of times they will take your, your, take your offer uh, they will take a wholesale price, a price much lower than the ordinary market will bear because they need it. Or they'll be re- willing to give you wholesale terms. I mean, yeah, okay, don't give me all the cash that I really want. I don't need the cash. I already bought another house. So all I really need is someone to take this mortgage off my shoulders. So I will carry financing. You know, you can make me, you know, interest monthly payments over the next 10 years. That would be wonderful for me because now I don't have to worry about this mortgage that's killing me every month. And therefore, what you're really doing is solving somebody's problem instead of taking advantage of somebody. So you, you, you look for people for whom you are the solution to their problem, and they are rare. I'm not saying it's one, you know, it's one in 20. It's not one in five. It's one, it's one in 20. It's, it, they, are, they are rare. But you look, you search, you find, you buy two, two like that a year. You do that. Every year for the next 10 years, you'll be a multimillionaire. In your lifetime, you'll be a multimillionaire. 
Um, you'll have to overcome the problems of finding them. It's hard to look and keep looking and have persistence. And it's also hard to manage them. There are all kinds of problems that'll, that'll crop up. You know, the tenant, you chose the wrong tenant. You know, they don't, they're behind in their rent and it just drive you absolutely nuts. And really, until you find a system that for managing people, maybe you're giving them a lease option. So now they become a, like more of an owner instead of a renter. Uh, there's all kinds of solutions to solve the bad tenant problem. But most people, they have all these fears about real estate because they have a friend of theirs who, you know, got, you know, their property got beat up and, and they, they, they have all these, these uh, fears that stop them from getting started in the investment game. And what I'm trying to say is you, you should search and look for in the real estate market somebody who has a problem that you can solve in an enlightened way. I mean, you're helping, not hurting. You're helping them buy that property and learn the systems for managing that property. There are many of them. I'm not the only person. There are hundreds of books you can buy online about how to manage properly where you can rent them out where they're passive to you. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to actively manage a property. You can set it up so that they just send you a check and that's all you ever see. And it's, it's not easy to do, but eventually you figure it out. And then you've got this extra little stream of income. At first, it's, you know, maybe it's break even cash flow. You don't get a lot of cash flow. And then next year, you raise your rents. And then it's a couple, three, four, five hundred bucks a month, you know. And then five years from now, it's 2,000 bucks a month. That's an extra stream of income flowing into your life. And 10 years now, it's $10,000 a month. Now we're talking financial freedom stuff, you know. Now you get to decide, do I want my job? Do I want that 10000 I'm making from this job that I really don't like? Or do I want to just not not have a job and just get the $10,000 in positive cash flow and then go buy some more real estate? Uh, figure out a way to get into commercial property like you did, Chris. And so as you get into the real estate game, into the entrepreneurial side of it, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities. And, and that's what you you teach people, you know, right in your, your beautiful state of Alaska. It's, you know, it's incredible. So, yes, you the game is not over because people, uh, as they say, they're, they are always creating uh, like tricycle motors, <laughs> a tricycle motor. That's a little baby. That's a little kid. And they're always creating new tricycle motors. So they always need new housing. And so there are always people that are going to be buying houses and people who need to sell houses. It's just it's, it's a. It's a lifetime. It'll happen. Real estate will happen for the rest of your life. We get in the game. You're talking about solving people's problems. The most uh, recent Robert G. Allen newsletter I got says the key to success lies in giving, not taking. And I think that really is a great summation to what you were saying, that finding somebody who has a problem and you are the solution feels great. A couple of years ago, we were able to purchase a home that was pre-foreclosure and this couple was going through a pretty hard time. We helped them avoid a seven-year credit challenge for, for seven years that that foreclosure would have challenged them. And they walked away with yeah. a, couple, a couple thousand bucks in their pocket. We got a great deal, but they, we actually were the solution to a, to a huge problem. So I, I love that. Absolutely. Um, I, I call it enlightened wealth. Mm -hmm. And many people, when they think of entrepreneurs, they think the opposite. They think in order to be a, an owner of a business, to be successful, to be wealthy, that somehow or other they've done something illegal, immoral, or unethical. 
that, you know, usually employees look at people like us as bosses, you know, we're their bosses. They don't like our, their bosses and, and therefore they don't usually don't like people with money. They, they think somehow or they've done something, something and darkened to get it. But in my experience, when I talk to my millionaire friends, these people are good. They're honest. They're ethical. They're hardworking. They're spiritually oriented. They're givers. They, they have charities and ch- causes and churches and philanthropies that they fund with the extra money that they've been able to earn. So I, I look at people to change the thinking about, about their, about money and, and earning it. I have people who say, I don't like money. I don't like, I don't want people to see me as a money person. I, I want to be, I don't like to sell. I don't like to be rejected. You know, I don't like to do all that stuff. Therefore, I don't like money. And, and therefore, uh, they, they are ha- they're, they're happy, surviving on the, 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 the little that they make for a long period of time. They, they support their families. They're good people. Also, I'm not saying poorer people are bad people, but I'm trying to say I'd like, to, like them to open their mind to the possibility that if they did a few extra little things, you know, like buying a couple of properties a year, that's not, that's not a big deal. That's, that's not. They do that, and eventually they start having extra surplus money, not only for their own family, for better schooling, for better travel, better trips, better memories for their family, but they also have extra that they can, they can spill over some of that extra to people around them who need it more than they do. And therefore, you, you create wealth not because you want to be rich. You create it because you want to be charitable and in giving. You want to give your way to wealth. You're listening to The Backyard, a millionaire. That was Robert G. Allen. Go to my website, ilovehomeralaska.com. Sign up for the newsletter. The very next issue contains the rest of my conversation with the legend, Robert G. Allen. How to shop for real estate in times like these when we return to The Backyard Millionaire. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth of where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story along with Mr. David Webb. If any of this interests you, may I suggest you pick up a copy of my book, so named The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. It's on our website at ilovehomeralaska.com. You can also get the ebook, paperback, hardcover, or audio version performed by a world-class narrator named Michael Dukes. He did such an incredible job. I got a text message from somebody this morning saying, I just listened to The Backyard Millionaire on Audible. It was amazing and life-changing. And I accept the compliment, not because I'm arrogant, but because it's that good. It's a great story. And one of the biggest compliments I ever got was somebody said, you know, Chris, I thought the book was just going to be about money and making money, but truly it's about a way of life. This just in from the backyard millionaire news desk, a California homeowner, an early 1900s home found sacks filled with coins in the basement. In fact, a million coins. In fact, you can imagine that treasure. Hold on, wait a minute, story's being updated. A million, 
million what? Oh, a million pennies. Hmm, who wants to help me roll these? I didn't think so. A million pennies were found by this couple. They'd owned the home for numerous years, been remodeling it, and for some reason just happened upon this little treasure trove of pennies. Now, it's not a terrible treasure. Mind you, it's a part-time job for years to come to get these things uh, rolled and dealt with, but it's 10 grand worth of money. It's not bad, but wait. Just like the Ginsu knife, there's more. You see, these pennies were predated 1982, which means when the U.S. Mint in 1982 went to mostly zinc, swapped out for copper, these pennies are copper. That means they're worth more like about 25000 But hold on. Hold on, because I'm numismatically creative. I'm thinking to myself, what if there's one 1943 penny that is not steel during the war? They went to convert it to a steel penny, 1943. However, there was one mint that created copper pennies, and they're very rare and could be worth over $100,000 if one of those exists. Well, either way, it's a pretty nice treasure. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every ad he's had the pleasure to know And all the people that come and go Stop and say hello And on the corner there's a banker with a motor car Little children laugh at him behind his back And the back can never wear some mac In the pouring vein Very strange Penny lanes in my ears And in my eyes But definitely don't get in line behind that guy at the bank if he's dumping all those coins into the, the coin changer or if he calls you up and says can you what are you doing this weekend you always answer <coughs> with a cough could be covid don't take his call he's going to want you to roll pennies for a long long time you're listening to the backyard millionaire chris story here let's talk about your self-talk dr shad helmstetter wrote a book called what to say when you talk to yourself here's a quote from it You'll become what you think about most of the time. Your success or failure in anything, large or small, will depend upon your programming, what you accept from others, and what you say when you talk to yourself. The more you think about anything in a certain way, the more you'll feel that belief accurately reflects your reality. So just to repeat quickly, what you think about you become what you think about the most of the time you become. So let me ask you this. How do you think about this question? Can you, I'm talking to you and you can tell me if this doesn't apply to you, like, Hey, I already, I already have more than this, but can you own four homes? If you answer yes, then you will. Or maybe you already do or more. If you answer no, then you won't. I didn't say you can't, but you won't. So how do you think about that question? Can you own four homes? How does it hit your ear? Hey, can you own four homes? What's your first reaction? What do you say to yourself? How do you think about it? How do you think about yourself and your prospects? As Robert G. Allen was talking about, going from a non-entrepreneurial mindset to one who thinks as an entrepreneur. 
Tiffany and I were just talking this morning about a business we're interested in getting into. We don't know anything about it. I'm not worried about that. She's not worried about that. We're not going to be getting up at six o'clock in the morning to go make the donuts. If we get into this business, we'll be working on the business, not in the business. Robert, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, I've got Michael E. Gerber. Thank you. Michael E. Gerber wrote the E-Myth. May I suggest if you're thinking about going from employee mindset to entrepreneurial mindset, you also read his book, The E-Myth. Some entrepreneurs turned me on to this years ago. They had a music school and they said this was instrumental in helping them grow their school. I, I haven't been able to put his work down. E-Myth revisited. So it's a whole nine yards, right? Like it's, I'm coming out with a schoolyard millionaire. Once you have an idea and you write a book, you got to write the sequel. Well, Michael E. Gerber has done that. But here's the thing. Let me just share this with you. Michael Gerber was a loser. A bit of a, is this his estimation of himself, not me. He was a loser, middle, kind of nearing middle age and really not going anywhere. And he walked into a McDonald's to grab a burger. His version, he said, I walked in to grab some fuel. It's not food, it's fuel. And he said, I, I was struck. He was a musician. He was a saxophonist and not doing that well, economically speaking. And he walked out wealthy. He walked out with a brand new mindset. He looked and it hit him like a ton of bricks. That McDonald's was running with an owner possibly miles away, a corporation a thousand miles away, and a, and a local owner many miles away, and it was run by teenagers. How is that possible? Systems, and those systems were created by Ray Kroc, who worked on the business. Yeah, once in a while, he'd go make a milkshake or serve up some fries, but he worked on that business, not in it. Henry Ford said, of your mindset, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right either way. How's that hit your ear? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right either way. Henry Ford wanted an eight-cylinder engine. As purported in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the story who Napoleon got it from Henry Ford, he related to him directly. It's not hearsay, it's firsthand to Napoleon Hill. His engineer said, it's impossible, sir. We can't do it. We've tried everything. And Henry Ford said, that's great. Now go back to the laboratory and bring me an eight-cylinder engine. This conversation went on for the better part of nine months, and the engineers went back determined it couldn't work, determined it couldn't work, proved that it couldn't work again and again and again until the mindset of Henry Ford finally broke them. And they said, what if we did this? Oh, we did it. He got his eight-cylinder engine. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Chris Story. We're going to talk about how to shop for real estate in times like these when we return. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story. Is a 1031 exchange right for you? Well, the nuts and bolts of a 1031 exchange is such that you can defer capital gains that you otherwise would have incurred by investing all of those proceeds, not just the gain, but the entire proceed of the sale of your investment property into another like-kind property. 
So you have to get with somebody who handles exchanges and that person will take on the responsibility of becoming, they'll receive all the money. You never see the money. You might be able to sign the closing documents. You at least acknowledge them. And the receiver of this money, the exchanger, will hold all the proceeds in trust for you. And you've got 90 days to identify a replacement property, up to three. Then you have 180 days to actually close on said replacement property. The fee isn't outrageous, by the way. It's not outrageous. Here's the thing, though. Before you determine if a 1031 exchange is right for you, you have to determine the projected tax hit. You have to know what you're trying to defer and avoid. There is no, it's not tax free. It's tax deferred. It ain't, they ain't going anywhere. Those dollars will be due. The, the devil gets his cut every single time, but you can defer it down, down the road. But once you know the tax hit, then you can decide to exchange and defer the capital gains tax or take the hit right now and do with you, do with your money as you please. Now, I've used 1031 Exchange personally, Tiffany and I have. I've helped a number of people over the last 21 years do 1031 exchanges, either uh, the liquidation side or the receiving side and the replacement property side, or sometimes both. And so I've got a lot of experience with this, but I always start with the same question. Do you know what your tax consequence is going to be? Because if you do not, we should figure that out before we go any further. That's the first step in determining if a 1031 exchange, the cost of doing the 1031 is negligible. It's, it's really minimal. Um, it's just not that much. That said, if your capital, let's just draw a comparison here. Let's say your capital gains tax are going to be 3000 bucks. <clears throat> okay, relatively small gain, whatever, and, and your, your tax consequence is 3000 The fee's going to be 2500 You sure you want to go through with this? Why don't you just pay the tax? I mean, that's a situation where we're going to just pay the tax. That's going to be fine. Move on. Yes, I'd recommend reinvesting your money, but why be tied to those restrictions when it's almost a wash? But but we're probably, your tax, it's probably going to be far greater than that. And so it's going to be worth looking into. But please first know your tax consequence. Then we'll talk about a 1031 exchange for you. Now, how do you shop for real estate in times like these? Well, it be like it's always been. All Harvey sent it fast. The thing about times like these, it this it's always been like this. There have always been times just like these. So if we're talking about investing in real estate, is it that much different than it was in 1982? 1972, 1952, or 1902. Some things remain the same. So if it be like it's always been, and it is, what do you be? Well, shopping for real estate in times like these, you be creative. This is the beauty of real estate. You get to be as creative as you want to be. You be open. Be open to the possibility, open to options, open to opportunity that might be right in plain sight, hidden from you in plain sight. Be open. For years, years, Tiffany and I would evaluate a property and we might have had a closed mind to a particular type of property. And then we look back later when our mind was opened. And this is over the last 25 years. Early on, we had a very closed mind as to the niche we wanted to target. 
No, this is all we're looking for. And we had a closed mind. And then we looked back a few years later and went, dummy, you could have had a V8. You should have been more open. All right. If it be like it's always been, be open. Be open to the solution that you offer to somebody else's problem. Robert G. Allen said it so well. You're the solution. Now go find a problem. Go find somebody's problem that you can be a solution to. Be looking. Dolph DeRue said it, 100-10-3-1. Look at 100 properties, investigate 10 very closely, make three offers, end up with a property. Be looking. Be proactive. And it's kind of like looking, but being proactive means that you're going to be on the hunt. You're going to be fit and fiddle with your finances. Be proactive so when the savings needs to be drawn upon, it isn't your last dollar. You have an investment account and you have a savings account for rainy day. Those two accounts should be bifurcated, separate. They should not even be in the same room with each other. Same bank is fine, but not in the same checkbook. Don't put anything to the back of the book. I used to do that early on in business. I'd put money to the back of the book, forget about it, but it's in the same account. No, don't do that. Have a separate account for rainy day as from your investment account. Be proactive, be prepared. Well, what's the difference? Well, being prepared means you know what your credit score is, not just what your credit score is, but you know what you're qualified for. You know and have in your arsenal people with hard money. So if you need something quick, you have a line of credit potentially set up if you need to access money quick. You're prepared with a pre-approval on your mortgage. You're prepared with an inspector, with an appraiser, with an engineer, with carpenters and contractors. Be prepared. If it be like it's always been, be positive. Why not? Every 10 years, there is a cycle. Now, it might be 8 and 12 in some instances, but you could round to an average of every 10 years, there's an up and down cycle. You can look back over history and see it. Be positive that if it's not for you today, you'll find something tomorrow. You just keep looking. Just keep your open mind. Be proactive. Be prepared. And be not afraid. Fear truly. I mean it. Fear has destroyed more fortunes than probably anything else on earth. So be prepared. Be creative. Be open. Be looking. Be proactive. And be positive. Once you've made your investments and you're a backyard millionaire, you're headed towards backyard millionaire status, how do you manage your property? How do you manage your property like a backyard millionaire? Can't be that many steps, right? Dozens of books have been written on the topic. In fact, we're writing one called How to Manage Property Like a Backyard Millionaire. Well, a few of the things that you're going to find in that book when we're done with it later this year, um, a few, it will just give you a little sneak preview. Manage your property with empathy. Well, that seems odd. Is that a tactic? Really? Empathy, empathetic management. That sounds like a woo-woo, Chris. No, it's real. Manage your property with empathy, not sympathy. Oh, you can't pay your rent. I'm sorry. Oh, I feel terrible. No, no. It's, oh, I understand. Here's the thing. If you had told me eight days ago that you couldn't pay pay on time, I would have been able to avoid the late fee, which you now owe. So it's, it's empathetic means I understand I've had financial hardship. I understand why you can't pay it. Here's what we can work out. 
versus, oh, I've had some people say, I just, I don't think I could be a landlord and be so mean. It's not mean when you understand your solution to their problem and you manage with empathy. Be a good person. Of course, landlord, most of the landlords that I know, at least in my sphere, are really terrific good people, care about people, have empathy. But the people that offer sympathy, all you do is give somebody a bigger shovel with which to dig a hole for themselves. And that's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for the property. And it's not good for the tenant. So be empathetic and, and have fair market rent. It's better for everybody. And allow pets on approval. Um, here's my tip. Here's a pro tip. Just increase the rent for the pet versus some sort of onerous pet deposit, which you're going to have to fight tooth and nail to get anyway. So if you're a landlord, just increase the rent X dollars a month to allow for a pet because, yeah, they're going to do damage. You just can't help it. But everybody's got a pet today. And doctors are handing out um, pet passports like candy. So any dog can be a therapy dog like that. So just accept that you're going to have pets and just up the rent slightly for that to accommodate for the damage that's surely to come. And not even intentionally, just a, just a different kind of wear and tear. Um, then fourthly, I'd say rely on tenant history, rental history, far more than credit. Some people just, oh, I wanted your credit check and I wanted a criminal background check. Some of that's good. It's good to have a, a whole 30,000 foot picture of somebody. But the truth of it is, from me to you, I'm telling you, to manage your property, what really is going to matter the most is what the previous landlords have had to say. Uh, do have a verification of employment and income. That's absolutely important. And then I would say as importantly is to follow your gut. Okay, if you have a bad feeling, trust me, an empty unit is worth more than a bad bad tenant pass if your gut tells you to do so and you better know the landlord tenant act in your area in your state you better know it inside and out follow it because trust me your tenants know it and can recite it especially if there's a problem and remember manage your own rental for at least one year after you acquire it so you get a fingertip feel for the job and that property in particular the proclivities of that property so manage your own property for at least a year that's how you manage your rental like a BYM. For all of us here at The Backyard Millionaire, I'm Chris Story reminding you that, yes, you really can make a million bucks in your own backyard. We'll see you next time.